How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. I'm Keith Law. Welcome to episode 13 of the Keith Law Show. I'll be joined in a few minutes by Cubs infielder, outfielder Ian Happ, but we're not going to talk baseball. We're going to talk coffee today. Ian is a coffee connoisseur. I'd like to think I am one too. And we're going to talk about his efforts with Connect Roasters to sell good coffee and raise some funds for COVID-19 relief charities. First, a little administrative stuff. Uh, I did have a mock draft, my first attempt to project the first round of this year's draft that went up last Wednesday for subscribers to The Athletic. The draft itself is on June 10th, so we're actually just three weeks and two days away as I record this right now. Uh, that was my, I would say, my best guess right now. I have some information. I said even at the top of that article, I have less information or when I wrote it, had less information than I would typically have four weeks out from the draft because we haven't seen anybody. We haven't gone out to see players and I have uh, been talking to people a little bit less because we have we don't have new news. We don't have uh, anything specific to talk about. Players aren't necessarily moving up and down on draft boards the way that they might ordinarily be doing if they were actually still playing. In fact, this week would have been the week for college baseball conference tournaments. And so in theory, I would have been heading out maybe at some point later this week to the ACC tournament, but none of that is happening. And it's going to affect the draft, probably not in a way that it's visible to most fans, but it will affect the draft pretty substantially because that is typically a week when players can make a big move up or down, especially if they don't have a lot of history um, with scouts. If they became prospects this year, you can really do yourself a lot of good or a bit of harm, depending on your performance in the conference tournament. I will do another mock draft probably next week, and then we'll probably continue to do them weekly until draft day, and I will put up a final mock draft that morning. Later this week, keep an eye out for my 2010 redraft. This was an annual feature I used to do at my previous employer. I'll do it now at The Athletic, where, where I will redraft the first round and then revisit the first round picks who didn't work out from that year. Also, I'd like to thank everybody who bought my book, The Inside Game. It came out on April 21st. Uh, many of you have reached out to say that you've enjoyed it, to share certain passages or jokes that you really liked. I want uh, just to say again how much I appreciate all of that all the support that you've been showing on social media, especially telling friends, sharing your thoughts on the book, uh, it all helps. And uh, for folks who haven't read it and would like to check it out, I recommend bookshop.org. You can get it in hardcover as an ebook or even as an audiobook through that site. And some of their proceeds go to help independent bookstores, which really need our help during this economic shutdown. So thank you for that. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We also really appreciate the support on all of those platforms. Well, now it's my pleasure to be joined by the Chicago Cubs, Ian Happ, but we're not going to talk baseball today. We're actually going to talk coffee. Uh, Ian is himself a coffee. He calls himself a coffee connoisseur. I prefer coffee snob, at least when I'm talking about myself. But Ian has hooked up with a local coffee roaster called Connect Roasters, to uh, as in a partnership to bring what they're calling quarantine coffee, which you can order 
at connectrusters.com slash pages slash quarantine dash coffee. There's got to be a better, I'm sure there's a better URL for that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Coffeefordcovid.com. It's a little bit easier. That's much easier. Coffeefordcovid.com. It'll take you exactly to that link. Uh, so you don't have to do all the backslashes and everything. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So Ian, tell me how you got hooked up with these guys. Yeah. So I, um, as a coffee connoisseur, I like to use connoisseur because I think it's a little bit more gentle. Um, <laughs> but I, I saw a post with them. Actually, there's a, a Twitter account, I believe, that's like cards and coffee. Mm-hmm. So they had they like a baseball card or a, you know, a sports card and then a coffee, which I thought was really cool. And they had this Connect Roasters. And when I clicked on them, they were from Illinois, about an hour south of Chicago. And I thought, you know what, this would be great. I reached out to them on, on Instagram. They have a really cool Instagram page. They're, you know, their media and their marketing, I thought, caught my eye. So I reached out to them. And I said, hey, um, would love to try your coffee. Let me know how I can get it, what we can do. So they sent me a few bags. Uh, love the product. It's like, they sent me one light roast and two medium roasts, I think. Uh, two from Guatemala and one from Nicaragua, I believe. And, and I was like, wow, this is, this is great stuff. This is exactly what I've been looking for. So I got in touch with the, the founder, um, Caleb, and kind of pitched him this idea on quarantine coffee. Uh, it was something that I, I had been wanting to do um, to kind of partner you know, my love for coffee and also giving back and, and helping during this time. Uh, he was super open to it. And it really it was like in two weeks, we had um, the product ready to ship. Uh, and so, they, I can't say enough about how awesome they've been through the process, um, how great their back end has been, and, and was able to, um, you know, get mock-ups for, for the product, get the coffee roasted, pick the blend, and do everything um, so fast just to get it out to people and start raising money. It's been really a fun process for me. Yeah, $3 from every bag that people buy goes directly to COVID-19 relief charities, which is fantastic. And yep. it's kind of amazing. It sounds like they're still able to get coffee too, because I know a lot of those countries in Central America are under lockdowns, but it seems like they're still able to get the beans out. Yeah. The best, the best part about what they've done is their original mission uh, for Connect Roasters is to give back to the towns and, and the countries that mm-hmm. they pull, they pull the beans from. So they originally it was $1 for every pound roasted, um, would go back to to helping the community um, where they get the coffee in Guatemala or where they get the coffee in Nicaragua. Um, and that was always uh, the founder, Caleb's, his, his mission. And I thought, wow, that's that's so cool that, that that's what you want to do. Why don't we, um, for this purpose, uh, start giving back to, to COVID relief? And so the relationships that they've made on the ground in Guatemala, where this coffee comes from, um, have made it really easy for us to continue to get the beans, uh, continue to roast through this time. Um, which, which we're you know, so thankful for. Yeah, I'm a huge, I love Guatemalan coffees, particularly just like I have a little, the V60 pour over, like it's real simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of my favorite, just there's only a couple of countries. I don't really know, you know, specific farms, but if I see a Guatemala, that's immediately what I think. Rwanda is another one where I've just never had a coffee from there. I didn't like how, how do you personally, when you make coffee at home for yourself, how do you usually make it? Yeah, I'm a pour over guy. Um, in the off season, uh, you know, I have a scale. I, I, I measure it out. Uh, I don't have a fantastic grinder yet. I've been mm-hmm. in search of, of a really good burr grinder, so I don't have that yet. But um, you know, we usually get get the coffee ground and then you know, we'll weigh it out, put it in, uh, and and do pour over. That's kind of been my my morning ritual now. Um, but the I think the the great thing about this coffee. Uh, being a medium roast is it's just it's so smooth mm-hmm. um, and usually you know when, once you get into the 
some of the darker roasts, um, you're tasting a lot more of the roasting process as opposed to the, you know, the coffee's origin. And for, for this roast to be medium and still be able to taste all these amazing flavors um, and have it be as smooth as it is, that's what really drew me in to connect. I always think of Guatemala, I know like it differs, probably it's farm to farm, but if you tell me something is from Guatemala, like immediately think chocolate, like more than anything, that sort of mm-hmm. cocoa, like that's the flavor I associate with them, um, which is part of why I like that. Cause I will also eat like super dark chocolate, you know, even as a kid, yeah. I was the one where we get the bag of candies. I'm like, yeah, where's the special dark? That's the one I, you guys can have the Mr. Good bars. I want, want I want the dark stuff. Yeah. And is that like, so is that what this coffee does that? I don't know if you like what their tasting notes are, but that's the first thing I think of when I see Guatemala. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a good coffee or a good chocolate component to it. I'm the same way. I, uh, whenever the Hershey's milk chocolate bar would come around, I'd be like, I'm good. I can't <laughs> do the milk chocolate. Like I can, I can do it in the Snickers, but like, right. I'm, I give me a 75% cocoa, like dark right. chocolate bar. Uh, and that's, that's what I need. Yep. Um, speaking of grinders, I actually have a, uh, so a friend of mine who works in intelligentsia, I say, I figure you've probably been to one of their shops in Chicago mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. some point. I love their site. I actually have a bag of their black cat espresso in my cabinet downstairs. So a friend of mine there a couple of years ago, I was looking to get an actual espresso machine. And he said, you need, you know, you need a really good grinder for that. I said, no, actually, I don't know anything. Assume I know nothing, right? Just tell, talk to <laughs> yeah. me like I'm a child. And he directed me to Baratza and I got a $200 Baratza Virtuoso grinder that not only it's a burr grinder, does a huge range of grinds, but I will say the best thing when I had a I had to do a little home repair on it after a couple of years, they were incredible, absolutely incredible to work with. Um, and this way, like if you do you know, whatever kinds of coffee you make at home, or even just for pour over, sometimes I kind of dial it a little differently depending on the coffee. You just kind of play with it a little bit till you find what you like. But that's definitely a brand I would I would recommend if you're looking for a better quality grinder. Yeah, I think one of the most fun things with pour over is you do you get to play around. Like mm-hmm. my brother and I are, are are both big coffee lovers, and we've lived together for a few years now. So uh, we'll go. You know, does this coffee need a coarse ground? Does this coffee need to be really fine? And like the recommendation uh, will sometimes differ from what we think is the best thing for that specific coffee. So it, it is fun yeah. to play around and kind of use your use your imagination. Yeah, I like to ask if I'm at, especially if I get to go to a shop, which, I mean, you travel too. Obviously, we go to a lot of the same places probably. And, you know, just go into a shop and if I like, I'll get something. If I like it, I'll say, what was that? I'll buy a bag. Okay, how would you suggest I do this at home? And just let them talk. You go to a, I feel like you go to a coffee shop like that, the people, and, and you ask a question like that. You just sort of open up a, a whole world. Like the folks who work in shops like that generally want to talk about their coffee. I had that experience in, in, I was in Stockholm for a non, not a baseball thing, obviously. And that friend at Intelligence, he had recommended a place and I walk in and they were friendly enough. I'm sure they spotted the, the American guy walking in like a mile away. But then I asked a little bit about the coffee and all of a sudden it was like, they were, they were welcoming an old friend and you should try this, you should try this and buy these beans, and, which of course I did. And then I got home and tried it. I said, God, I wish I bought like three pounds more of this coffee. It was incredible. And they they cared. So they told me exactly what to do with it when I got home, so I could I knew where to start. And then, like you said, it's it's a process. You dial it in, you change a little bit, you change the weight, the grind, and see what you personally like. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do on the road during the season is to get up in the morning and go find a coffee shop. Mm, uh, yeah. So you know, we some some of these cities you get to go to a lot, uh, especially in the division, and you kind of find your places that you like to frequent, and then. 
uh, when we go on the road to the West Coast or to to the East Coast to New York, just just finding different little coffee shops to go um, and kind of experience what what they're doing and, and sit down for a couple hours before the game. That's by far my favorite thing to do on the road. I, it's funny. I love doing that when I go out to, especially when I go to see amateurs in the spring, because it typically takes me to some you know medium sized towns, and I've got a place in Nashville, the Crema in Nashville, or Barista Parlor. There's Spiller Park in Atlanta, which. Um, they don't roast their own, but they use a lot of these third wave roasters. And when you place your order, they give you a baseball card instead of a number to track your order. Um, yeah. you got any favorite, any particular favorite shops you go back to often, or do you typically just try to find new ones? Barista parlor in Nashville is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's one in St. Louis that is escaping my mind. It starts with a K. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I know I could in my mind I could take you there from the hotel uh, to get there on a scooter. But it's just this really cool. It's probably a five minute walk, ten minute walk from the ballpark, and it's like all glass in the middle of this kind of like, like treed area in in the middle of downtown in St. Louis. It is it's so cool. So that's that's my favorite. Well, the one in St. Louis is my favorite uh, favorite one to frequent. Is that Caldi's? Caldi's? Yes, that yeah. is it. Yeah, I have not been or something like that. I've heard they're fantastic. Yeah, they have a wonderful breakfast sandwich too, with like, which so like to get there, pour over, and then a breakfast sandwich. That's three (laughs) days in a row. That's that's where I post up. It's my favorite. Nice. That is, I I mean, that's exactly me. Especially in the morning, I'm like not the most social person. At least until I've got some caffeine in me. It's like I'll bring Mm -hmm. a book, or if I have to write, I'll like have my iPad, the coffee, and a little something to eat, and I can just. Just leave me alone for an hour or two. When the caffeine hits the bloodstream, I can be human again. Yeah, I think the guys that sit in their hotel room and make like the Nespresso, uh, they're <laughs> in the hotel. They're just savages. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Or like, they get get like room service coffee, and it's just like the darkest roast ever. It tastes like motor oil. I'm like, I don't know right. how you guys can sit there and like that's okay for you. And guys will you know drink the coffee that's in the clubhouse, and it's like just some Folgers that has been sitting there for a year and stale. And I was like, oh, just, I can't do it. Guys. And Wrigley, I actually, um, our, our nutrition staff is awesome and they're super accommodating. One of the first things I did, which is crazy that I did it as a rookie because I definitely shouldn't have, but I talked to our <laughs> nutritionist and had a relationship and I was like, Hey, can we get some new coffees, maybe a coffee bar? So we would reach out to uh, different uh, roasters or coffee shops in the Chicago area and every homestand they would, pick a different one and they would have a bag of coffee. So we had um, a one standing coffee that was all the time. And then we had another pot of coffee that would be this like mystery roaster for, for the homestand. And that was the most fun thing for me because I would come in, I'd have these really cool Cubs mugs and I would fill it up and just walk around the clubhouse for the first couple hours in the morning. And when you're playing all the day games at Wrigley, you need it. So you get there at 8 a.m. and you're like, you know what? My first thing I'm doing before I even change and go stretch, like I'm getting a cup of coffee. It's going to be awesome. And then I can go through the rest of my routine. Yeah, that's I completely understand that. Do you have like a do you have a cutoff where like you'll drink coffee in the morning, middle of the day, like around two or three o'clock? I have to stop because then I'm just not good. Like it totally screws me up for the rest of the day. I could drink coffee all morning. It's not the greatest idea, but I've learned my own body or maybe it's just I'm getting old now, like around two o'clock or so it's like, all right, Ixnay on the caffeine K I got to stop here. Yeah. I, my, well, my in-season routine is, you know, coffee until if we have a day game, it's like coffee until 10 and then I got to cut it off. 
or if it's a night game, it's like coffee until maybe like I'll, I'll have a one o'clock cup on the way to the field or maybe two at the latest. Um, but in the off season, I go early morning and then I also will do like uh, a early afternoon cup uh, before I head to the golf course. And that's, that's the best. So I'll get the morning cup and then go work out and do all my stuff. And then after lunch, I'll have a little afternoon cup before I head over to the golf course. And that's, that's my favorite one of the day. Oh, very nice. Now, are there other coffee snobs on the cups right now? I don't know if you want to out them necessarily, but it's probably. Be uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there's anybody that's like really lo- Actually, David Bodie is, he's a coffee fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually had a system last year where Bodie got, he got a little barista thing for his, for his house. Um, and he would make Americanos for mm. myself and, uh, Descalso and he would bring them in in the morning and he like Scouse was like every single day he would make him a coffee or an Americano <laughs> and leave it in his locker. And then uh, towards the end of the year, he got me on the train too. So I would have like an Americano waiting in my locker when I got there. It was awesome. That's yeah, that's pretty good service actually. That's definitely a good way to endear yeah. yourself to your teammates too. Yeah, the Cubs the Cubs did uh, a couple times during the season. They did a little special day where they would bring in um, a local coffee shop and they would set up, literally set up a stand in the uh, cafeteria in our like food room. And so the guy would be making cappuccinos or espressos whatever you wanted right in front of you. And that was probably the best few days of the year for me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fantastic. I need to work at a place where they bring in the barista. So I'm like, I, cause I can't do, I can make the drinks. I can't do the art. I've, I've like watched the YouTube videos mm-hmm. of how to pour the milk and do it. I don't think I have the artists touch. Like I get the milk in, I can make a heart. That's about the extent of it so far. Like I'm very jealous when I go to these places and not only can they make the drink taste good, but that they can make it look good. I just, I, I look at them like I'm like looking at a Renaissance sculptor. So I'm like, how did you do that? This is some sort of wizardry. Yeah. I still don't understand that. I don't get how <laughs> they can make flowers and different designs in the milk. I was like, I more power to you. I, I love that you could do it, but like for me, I just don't think it's ever going to be a skill that I'll have. Have you been to, uh, have you been anywhere outside the U S where you've gotten experience coffee for better or for worse too? Cause like I've been to, places in you know my I family in Italy too and like their coffee is dark it's a different it's just a different beverage over there and I could drink it it's not as bad as like the worst coffee here but still it's very different than the types of coffee you and I are talking about yes I um this off season actually I went to uh Monte Carlo and then Nice yeah yep. and and the coffee there like what we what Americans would consider coffee to me was not good. It was, like you said, (laughs) dark. And, and the water that they use, you can really taste the water because if you don't have like really purified water, then the water seeps into the roast and then it tastes kind of like you're drinking some sort of ocean blended coffee. And so their coffee was not very good, but the espresso there was wonderful. So I realized very quickly in the 10 day trip that, um, there was going to be no American coffee for me on the entire trip. And that was going to be espressos and cappuccinos only. Yep. It's funny. Cause that's about an hour from where my cousins live. So two years ago, my daughter and I went to the goal was to visit my cousins, but she also wanted to see Monaco. So right where you were. And I'm assuming you saw the Starbucks in Monaco. Cause of course there has to be, you know, American, there has to be a Starbucks there. And there was a line out the yep. door. Like, 
You're in yeah. Southern Europe. You can get good coffee here. What are you people doing? But I will say the Starbucks had Wi-Fi, so I, we did end up going inside for a few minutes. Yeah, I absolutely refused to <laughs> get a coffee from the Starbucks. I was like, look, I will find the worst cup of coffee here and drink that before I'll get something I could get in the States. Right. Yes, that is. I really appreciate that attitude. That is, you're you're doing good, helping rehabilitate the image of Americans abroad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, Ian Happ is my guest today. You can check out it's coffeeforcovid.com. I actually ordered a bag while we were talking just now, so I can't wait to try it. Thank you very um, much. Yeah, Thank that's you for the support. Yeah, you're welcome. It's $3 from every bag goes to COVID-19 relief funds. I encourage everyone to check it out. Ian, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was fun. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash law for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash L-A-W for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. We sent out a call on Twitter earlier today for some questions about that mock draft from last week. I'll just get to about three or four of them here before we wrap up. Marty Smith from uh, the College of Central Florida says, Has, I haven't heard much about school money for the free agent signings this year. I assume that is still available. So what he's referring to is players who are drafted, uh, who are not drafted, excuse me, in this five-round draft can only sign for up to $20,000 as undrafted free agents. That is dramatically less than what they would have gotten in any other year. And the expectation is most players who have school eligibility remaining will not sign. That money will probably mostly, not exclusively, but mostly go to college seniors or players who, for whatever reason, don't have school as an option. Will the MLB scholarship plan still be available for players who sign then? As far as I know, yes. I'm not 100% certain of that. Major League Baseball has a very generous scholarship plan available to players who sign out of high school, out of junior college, or sign with college eligibility remaining that will cover all of the semesters that they gave up to pursue professional baseball. It's a great plan. Lots of players take advantage of it. Probably more players should take advantage of it, but it is wonderful and I think pretty underreported. People don't know about this, and colleges really don't necessarily want players to know about this, but it makes it more appealing to go into professional baseball because you know you'll be able to pay for college later. As far as I know, that's still available this year. Uh, because that is money paid in. Major League Baseball pays something into it now. The teams pay into it, but the money isn't taken out till later. And Major League Baseball's goal in just about everything this year around the draft has been to try to defer money, to defer those payments to some point in the future. Clint B. says, I know you have Zach Veen going to the Royals. I had him going fourth overall on a suspected deal, maybe under slot in my mock draft last week. But if both Veen and Hancock were available to the Jays at pick five, who do you think they would take? Also in the same scenario, who would you take? So two great questions. My understanding is that the Blue Jays would go college pitching. They would not take Zach Veen at that pick. Uh, Zach Veen is the best high school position player, all-around high school position player in the draft class. Emerson Hancock's a right-handed starter at the University of Georgia. My guess is they would still take Hancock in that scenario. 
if I were picking there and the big three of Spencer Torkelson, Austin Martin, and Asa Lacey were all gone, as I expect them to be, I figured they'll probably go one, two, three. Uh, my pool of players there would probably be Emerson Hancock, Max Meyer, the six-foot fireballer from the University of Minnesota, who has one of the best sliders in the entire draft class. Reed Detmers, who is 88 to 93, but has elite command uh, by acclamation, the best command of all college starters in the class. And that would probably be it. Um, Maybe Nick Gonzalez, the second baseman, occasional shortstop of New Mexico State. I am just skeptical enough about his bat, particularly because of the environment where he plays and some sort of negative scouting reports from the weekend where they played Texas A&M this spring to say I would take one of the college pitchers over him. Even on my own board, and I like Zach Dean, I said I think he's the best high school player in the class. I would take one of these college starters over him. And I do think it does make some sense for the Jays especially, who have a pretty good offensive core on its way, uh, at least with Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette in the big leagues, and who also have Nate Pearson ready to join the major league rotation. Anthony Kay is ready to join the major league rotation. Getting a college starter who gets there kind of quickly, probably a pretty good idea. You don't necessarily draft for need like that. Doesn't hurt when the situation on the major league club also points to the players who are going to be the best available at your pick anyway. Giannis Mbappe on Twitter asks, could you expand a little on the concerns regarding Georgia's Cole Wilcox's fastball quality? Does it have less than ideal movement, spin, or access? So the biggest, sorry, the easiest way to explain that is Cole Wilcox throws very hard, but hitters hit it more than you would expect given its velocity. It does not really move that much, and it has just kind of ordinary spin. That is, I I shy a little bit away from the phrasing less than ideal movement, spin, or axis because it's not that simple. Very high spin is generally good, uh, but you often give up some command to get that increased movement or or increased difficulty to hit. But also a pretty low spin pitch can sometimes be effective too, perhaps just because it's different. Um, So rather than simply say that, I would say because – the secondary characteristics on the pitch are all just kind of average. That seems to be the reason why hitters hit it. Now, if hitters were still not making a lot of contact with it or not making quality contact with it, I would say, well, we don't like the secondary characteristics, but so far hitters haven't been able to do anything with it. They sort of might cancel each other out a bit. The fact that Wilcox is pretty good secondary stuff and does have great arm strength seems to have some trouble missing bats with the fastball. That, to me, is why I think he's a back-of-the-first-round candidate rather than a top-10 pick. If his fastball missed bats, he might be, he might go in the top five, given everything else he can do and the, and the pure velocity he shows. Uh, last question here. Paul Oliveros asks, do you foresee in the near future MLB implementing a draft encompassing international players as well, similar to how the NBA draft is conducted? Would you be in favor of this format? I believe in the next CBA you will see an international draft. It will be separate from the draft for North American players. Uh, the, the amateur draft right now includes all players from the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. If you are from any of, any other country, you are an international free agent, and you would sign typically on July 2nd. Or if your 16th birthday comes just shortly after July 2nd, I think it's in the 60 or 90 days after that, then you would sign then. I have accepted that the international draft is an inevitability. I would absolutely oppose any attempt to merge the two. Um, 
there are a host of problems that would come with that. The biggest one, however, is that the players who sign internationally can sign at 16. Uh, players who sign in the, in the United States have to, I believe you have to be at least 17. You must have finished high school. But you have players as old as 21 and 22. So asking one scouting staff in particular to try to balance seeing domestic players in it or you know draft players and international players together in one spring is a huge logistical headache. Also, how are you comparing 16-year-olds who are often going to be scouted while they're still 15 to 21-year-olds? They're not the same. These are just such enormous differences in potential outcomes and in the variance on your scouting evaluations. And that's also why one reason, I should say, why you see such a disparity in what players are paid. The top international players do not get close to what the top draft players get, typically, excluding a Cuban free agent who comes over. Aroldis Chapman comes over, but he's much older. I'm talking about the 16-year-olds who you hear about every July 2nd. Um, also, you open sort of a big kind of philosophical can of worms. Why couldn't, why couldn't Bryce Harper have just become a free agent signed at 16? If he were from the Dominican, he would have been able to. But because he was born in the United States, he can't. I don't think Major League Baseball even wants to open that box for that discussion. So that is a reason I oppose mixing the two, but also more importantly, a reason I think it would never happen. I think major league baseball has thought about the idea and realizing the logistical headaches and that it might expose the pretty big difference in how major league baseball treats us, Canadian, Puerto Rican players from players born everywhere else. I think they would just really not be interested in, in doing that. And I think it's easier from a CBA negotiation standpoint too, to just, keep them separate, keep the scouting staff separate, and have those processes continue on their own distinct tracks going forward. That is all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks to Ian Happ for talking to me and sharing his love of coffee. One more time, that is coffeeforcovid.com. Check it out. I just bought a bag while we were recording this show. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe, everybody.